Good day, dear listeners. Steve Freda here with the Management Blueprint Podcast. And today's guest today is Amit Kotari, the CEO of Telify, a technology platform that enables everyone to document and automate processes without being technical or process savvy. I'm particularly excited to have you here, Amit, today because uh, I, you know, I and Greg wrote about you in our new book, Pinnacle. And we are, you know, one of my clients, one of our joint clients is using your system as well. So without further ado, uh, welcome to the show. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, Steve. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about your, your journey a little bit. So how do you become a tech startup entrepreneur? What's been your journey that led you to this point? Well, I think uh, like most entrepreneurs, I think you sort of feel the itch of a pain and you feel it so much. And perhaps the present moment frustrates you so much that you just decide to do something about it. In my case, um, 20 years ago, I graduated uh, from, with a computer science degree from the University of Bath in England. Spent a decade doing consulting work, improving processes, helping companies to map processes and so forth. And I felt like I was wasting my life because one day I looked into the mirror and said, well, do I want to do what I'm about to do today? And the answer was no, practically every day for the next few weeks. And I knew I had to change something, mm-hmm. essentially. And what we did didn't really deliver any value for customers either. So the root of this idea was just simply that you can document any kind of process you want as many times as you want, as wonderfully as you want. Who cares if no one looks at it? That's and right. with consultants at that time, you know, you got paid to come into a company, document their processes, make them look pretty. So basically just write down what they said to you and then leave and you get paid for it. And I was thinking, well, we're not here to see any kind of outcome. We're not here to even implement the change. So what's the point of us doing this? They could have just done this themselves. And so it just felt like a sham. So um, creating a simpler way to, to just for anyone to map a process. And then secondly, for them to run it rather than simply read it. That was the genesis of this entire company, which, which is now six years old. And so I didn't know much about being an entrepreneur to that subject. It was just, I guess I read things like everyone else does, but um, it was just on the, on, the, on the bigger company side of things, like how, how companies change, how they evolve. And so. Okay. So, yeah. um, so that's interesting. So that make you, uh, you know, strike out on your own and, and create your own solutions. How, so how is your own solution. How is Telify changing the business of defining processes? What are you guys doing differently? The first thing I didn't want to do is have flowcharts in our system because there's many problems with flowcharts. We we can go into later, but it just felt like you needed a process expert to be able to create a process map for you. And actually I was paid to come in and just make process maps for people. So it needed to be used by to use a better phrase, the average grandmother. Can my grandmother use this? If she cannot use this, then we're in trouble, right? We we, we clearly, it's too complex. So that was one thing that had to be different, no flowcharts. And instead of that, we created a checklist type of UI because everyone in our research understands what a checklist is. It's just a set of steps, that's all. (laughs) Along with that, we love this idea of if this, then that conditional rules where you literally say the sentence, if something, then mm-hmm. something. So we realized that if we could codify 
sequence like that as rules instead of flowchart steps, then we basically have all the power of a flowchart, but in a checklist, which makes it accessible for the average person. Mm -hmm. So those things are different along with an integration first approach. You don't need to write code to hook up systems together anymore. So really a system built five years ago was mobile native, had to be mobile native, had to be cloud first, had to be integration first, and had to be easy to use because that was the change necessary at that time. Mm -hmm. So something okay. built 10 perhaps didn't have to be that way. So many of those things are different for new mm -hmm. products versus legacy or old products. So I suppose that's, those things are different. That's great. I mean, I'm all about making things simple, um, simplifying so that the entrepreneur can access it and can do it. So you, you do it without any process expert, any flowcharts. You think flowcharts are superfluous. Is this because people can't, don't know how to create flowcharts or they wouldn't even want to use flowcharts? I feel like modern work doesn't really map itself well to, <laughs> ironically, map itself well to flowcharts. Because if you're in a production line in the 18th century and you were told just be quiet and do this job the way the flowchart says, well, mm -hmm. that's fine, right? But we're not in production lines. We work in creative office environments. Mm -hmm. You are not paid a six-digit salary just to look at a flowchart and follow it, right? Because mm -hmm. if it was that easy, they could have, you could have automated that by now, mm -hmm. right? And I also feel like you don't do things in a linear order anyway. You don't mm -hmm. follow step-by-step step things in a line. You might do something, come back to some other thing, come back to this other thing. And really humans are like that, right? And this is also why if you look at the evidence around us, the fastest growing products in computer software history have been chat products. Slack was the first. Mm -hmm. Microsoft Teams, Microsoft actually said it's the fastest growing product in their history. Mm -hmm. People like to chat. It's that simple. And chat isn't a linear thing. It is just random creative conversation. And so mm -hmm. it doesn't lend itself to today's work environment. And sometimes paths are not straightforwardly two, two squares connected by a line because you can take other paths. There's paths that you didn't even anticipate. And we call this decisions that are yet variations that are yet to be known, which flowcharts cannot even capture. So collaboration is a first class object. And that's why I feel like it's missing details along with the how to do the task. You might have a flowchart step that says, do this. But the real meat of it is, well, I'm new to the company. How do I actually do this? And really capturing the how is the essence of converting tribal knowledge to digitized information so that people can do things without asking other people how to do them, which again, flowcharts don't really capture. So it's various reasons. We actually have a whole page about this on our site, but those mm -hmm. are some of the... Yeah, I love that. Yeah, That's great. Yeah. That's great. So you basically are reinventing uh, systemizing, creating playbooks, processes, whatever you want to call it, even though your background is being a Six Sigma black belt. So how did that background influence your work? You know, you start with classical learning, like with most things in life, you start classically, you, you figure out the status quo, you, you try to implement the status quo. At some point you get confident enough to say the status quo actually sucks. And I really have to reinvent myself because this is not me. What I'm, what I'm doing here isn't me. And I think I've just always been 
a bit thoughtful about you know just change in general. As, as, so I didn't want to follow a sort of well-trodden path. Do a career. Here's your career. It's laid out for you. It's nice and easy. Just do what everyone else does. You'll be fine. And that kind of stuff just makes me a little bit angry. So that led to all this itch that needs to be scratched. So it just came at the right time. I think sometimes, you know, when I was pitching Talify for VC funding in Silicon Valley, what was interesting is talk, talk to some of the top VCs and they, they ask you what you do and why is it different? What's the pain you solve and why is that great? But the, the biggest question they ask you is why now? You create, you create this company, this venture, right? Great, good for you. But why now? Hmm. Why are you doing this now? Why couldn't you do this in five years from now? Why didn't you do this five years ago? And like it's a surprisingly it. difficult question to answer. And almost all innovations that have made it have answered the question, why now, along with why. So what's your answer? Uh, what was your answer? Well, the first thing is, uh, the buying power and the decision power has shifted from IT to the average business user mm -hmm. in terms of picking software. In fact, they're just Googling what they want and just signing up by themselves. Whereas 10 years ago, you had to ask IT for software. Well, you kind of don't anymore. You just turn up at IT and say, look, here's what I found. You do what you have to do, right? And that's a huge why, because that power has shifted. Integrations become easier for a lot of people who are not technical. And finally, the consumerization of all enterprise software is a trend that we've all seen. Things that are complex are just unacceptable these days. So anyone who's doing consumerizing anything is going to succeed either way. So these are some of the trends. Uh, a parallel, to give you an example, Uber couldn't exist unless the phone existed. That was their why now. Because the whole point of it was there was GPS. Yeah, because that came equipped with GPS, right? Whereas mm -hmm. before you had to tell the taxi guy, oh, I'm two meters away from here and like manually figure out how to tell them mm -hmm. this, right? But now we have a dot that tells us where you are, mm -hmm. which makes makes all of the stuff around that easier to do. So um, without the invention of the phone, there'd be no Uber. So hence there, why now? So I think it's different. And for enterprise software, it's a whole different thing, like with with business users choosing apps and them needing to be easy, usable, that kind of thing. So okay, anyway. so that's yeah. that's fascinating. So one of the things that you mentioned to me, Amit, is that it's important to be process focused versus project focused. So what do you mean by that? There's an interesting book around this too. It's it's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's basically about process improvement. So a process focus really just means that you've given enough thought to how something should be done, to put it in plain English, how it should be done. You have a recipe, right? A project tends to be sort of like a evolving. So if I'm re remodeling my kitchen, I don't remodel my kitchen 20 times a week. I just do it once and it's fine for the next 10 years. That might be called a project, but things will emerge as I do that. And hence it's called a project, right? So the, obviously the core difference is that it's a system. It scales, it's predictable, it's repeatable, and most of all, it's comparable. I can compare one process to another process, apples to apples, but two projects could be apples to oranges. They're probably not related to each other in any way whatsoever. So I think the core of business scalability and growth depends on systemization and, and process thinking, really. And 
beyond the obvious, which is document processes, which to me isn't, it's only part of the story, is to actually run those processes and finally to improve them. And here's where we get to the final point of what the real difference is between process and project. You cannot improve a process that nobody even uses. Mm. It's like and having a no recipe. There's no point. Yes, I mean, yeah, I mean, the simplest way to put this is, is a fantastic recipe made by a chef. And in a restaurant chain of 20 restaurants, they deploy this recipe, right? In a, in a restaurant. So if someone orders that dish, one person thinks it tastes horrible. The other person says it's fantastic. Why is that? Because the chef just didn't follow the recipe. They just did it the way they wanted to. Mm -hmm. So if someone says, let's improve the recipe, well, what's the point? The chef's not even following the recipe anyway. So who cares about improvement at this point, right? There isn't even a process anyone follows. So really a process is make it, run it, improve it. So really what it's about is that if you have projects, maybe you're a contractor, maybe you're a home remodeling company, uh, whatever company you are, if every deal that you do, every engagement you do is a different project, then you don't have a scalable mm. business. In order to have a scalable business, you have to create a process. You have to uniformize your recipe. You have to do the kind of projects which are all the same way. Then it, you can mm. document the process, then you follow the process, and then you can improve it because there is consistency and then the variances can be kind of cut off and eliminated on over time. You have a consistent product that you can then increase the speed, remove some steps, simplify whatever you, you do. But essentially, it's the thinking of going from just a general, completely customized service to kind of a product approach where what you do is consistently uniform so that you can make it much, much better. Maybe you have, you provide fewer services, but whatever you provide is a much more refined and efficient service. I mean, I'm, I'm just uh, rambling here. I know you're absolutely right. And actually that, co that concept is, is really productized services. Mm -hmm. So you can actually productize a service too, but there's a human element to process versus project, which is mm -hmm. a the stress and chaos of a project means that someone is reactive. Like, oh my God, this just happened. We have to address this. This is priority one, right? Mm -hmm. Reactive, reactive. Proactive is the process approach, which is, you know what? I'm completely calm. I know how it's going to be done. I know the outcome will be perfect. If you just follow the steps, the outcome will be perfect. And I know how long it takes on average. So I can predict when it's going to be done. There is no let's wait and see and oh my God, we're late, right? It's because that's all reactive. And so I think the process philosophy is a human, it's a very desirable human trait of just calm because you've done it before. You're not reinventing the wheel. You know how long it takes. You know the outcome. You can predict the outcome. That's the magic of that kind of thinking where- Execute. <laughs> so that's a separate issue, mm -hmm. I think to the particulars of business growth versus and people don't want to work in a place where every two seconds there's just a chaotic like everyone drop everything we have to do this right now like a, just a reactive approach yeah right and, and you yeah. know unique project approaches re result in chaos half the time so, but it's not scalable reactive is not scalable. scalable only project. yes yes and so that again pertains to project 
versus process. Uh, so it's, it's difficult to think in these terms, but when you see these practical examples, like the chef in the restaurant, that's when you begin to realize that a chain of 20 restaurants really needs their chefs to follow the recipe. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to roll out any dishes whatsoever. Then product. Yeah. You don't have a consistent experience and people are creatures. We are creatures of habit. So we, if we have a good meal, we want to go back and have the same meal. You know, a stupid example, but we make a pot of coffee every morning and I kind of have a process. I always uh, do the same amount of coffee, the same amount of water, and it always stays the same. And I love it. I love the consistency. I, I expect my coffee to be in a certain way. And if it's that way, I'm, I love it. And my wife, uh, she yeah. doesn't like processes. So sometimes she puts a little bit more coffee. Sometimes she puts half decaf. Uh, sometimes she puts more water, less water. And it's inconsistent. Sometimes it's strong. Sometimes it's weak. It drives me crazy. And maybe there's something wrong with me. But I know I love consistency. I, I think there's wiggle room for creativity, for sure. But the framework is just a scaffolding right? Mm -hmm. Nobody said you don't have to be creative, but it, you know, process, process improvement is in fact about creativity. Here's a great idea. Let's try it out. Being systematically mm. creative, not in an ad hoc fashion so that you can actually, you can hold on to your improvements because you know what you improved. And if it Correct. works, then you, you got, you, you improve your process, you, you change it. And then you have a better coffee, a pot of coffee. Yeah, and that's how scientists run experiments, right? They hypothesize, they run that, they check the outcome. And it's almost like A-B testing. If that one's better, they go for that one and they keep going. So it's, I don't know why in business people don't follow the approach that, you know, chefs do in restaurants or scientists do in scientific study, essentially. It's just the way to improve. And sometimes the, the tiniest thing can lead to outperformance or just you know, a tiny, a hundred tiny things. According to the book, Atomic Ad Habits, changing a hundred things by 1% or improving them by 1% results in a 40 fold increase in performance or improvement in a year. Yeah. If you do it every it's, day, uh, it's a compound growth thing. It's, yes. it's one to the power of three, six, five. Yep. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's amazing yeah. if you can do that. So, so yeah. let's talk about improving processes. So what, what are the steps between documenting a process and optimizing. So how do you get from documented to optimized? And what does it mean for you? How do you define optimized? It's really simple. In between documenting and optimizing is just running. You have to do it in the middle to see the problems sometimes. So documenting is okay. I'll just, I'll just type, I'll just type it up. I'll just try something. Right. Mm -hmm. Then you run it and you realize, you know what? I'm missing this. I'm missing this and that and that go back, put those things in, run it again. And now you notice you're missing this, this, this. And this. So what you're doing is really just running it, improving it, coming back and running it, improving it. It's just the way a child, a child learns. They make a mistake. Please don't make that mistake again. Make another mistake. You know, it's all sealed up memory in time. And that's probably why Tiger Woods is the best golfer in the world versus the rest of us. He's just made more mistakes and has remembered not to make them again. <laughs> so sometimes habits are simply a baked in product in your mind of, of just optimization and habit, uh, just physically not making those issues. So, so, and so that's true. Of, you know, 
Yeah. So how do you system? Because that sounds a little bit maybe oversimplified the way you, you say that you, you just run the process and optimize it, but how do you know how to make it better? Maybe, okay, maybe there are obvious things that you see that the conveyor belt makes a loop which is completely redundant. You just remove it. It's an obvious thing. Or something is wrong with the process, something falls off the conveyor belt. You have to fix it so that it doesn't fall off. But if something is not visibly wrong with the process, how do you improve it anyway? Mm -hmm. is, do you have a system? So one of the things that I talk about in this, in this book, Pinnacle, is sometimes you have bottlenecks in the process. Sometimes you have roadblocks. Sometimes you have you know, the different wastes, the eight uh, wastes of lean. So is this something that you guys uh, use to look at a process and, and kind of think of, okay, are we using our resources effectively? Do we have an inventory? Do we have any wasted motion, stuff like that? Are you looking at it this way as well? Mm -hmm. Well, let's look at it rationally. I don't know what I don't know. So if I try to improve the process myself, I'm limited by my own tiny head, right? I just don't know how to improve it. So what's the answer to this? Well, a customer tells you, that's the first thing. So any, anything customer centric would be like the customer complains and says, you know what, this sucks. Then you come back and say, oh, I didn't realize it sucked. Thank you for that. I'm going to fix it. So hey, maybe that's your source of your fountain of ideas of improvement should really just be customers. The second part is crowdsourcing, which is your coworkers telling you that this needs to be fixed just because they do it every day. And that's the difference between the ivory tower approach. I'm the process owner. I know everything. Well, actually you don't, right? Maybe the people down there doing the work know how to improve it. And if you give them a voice and they say to you, this is a great idea. We should do it this way. Receive the idea, moderate it and put it in as an improvement. So improvements could come from you, but really most of them come from customers and from coworkers. Mm -hmm. and, and the coworkers end, we call it crowdsourced processed improvement, where you're crowdsourcing ideas from people but yourself, outside of you, who are perhaps doing the jobs themselves. So I think that's the, probably the way to canvas improvements, to sort of, sort of generalize that specific pain point of how do I improve? So whereas if you try to do it yourself, well, I guess you're just going to lack a lot of uh, insight that others do. So. so basically, if you let people, if you empower people, if you engage them, then they will come with the ideas. You don't have to canvas the ideas that hard. They're, they're going to be happy to contribute their ideas to improve the process. I think so. And I think they'll be proud of that. Most people like to have a voice and really modern workers have some creativity and they don't like to be just treated like just do your job and never give us any ideas ever again, right? I mean, most of the best companies in the world succeeded by empowering and creating cultures of, of improvement and even rewarding people who have great ideas. Yeah. And so really what we have done is created a commenting system where I can type in a chat mm -hmm. in a task that I think this is a light bulb moment. Like next time, basically it goes something along the lines of, next time let's do it like this mm -hmm. when so something starts with next time yes constructive now, suggestion something and that's how you know that this is a process improvement idea because the word next time has been used mm -hmm. they're not only thinking process they're saying can we not do this next time so, so it's not broken it just can be improved 
and improvement is obviously you just chip away little things those one percent things in the book atomic habits they really are one percent there is no silver bullet you'd be lucky to find a huge silver bullet somewhere but right. some things are incremental yeah I love that. Uh, yeah. I love that. It's the Kaizen. It's the continuous improvement, right? The idea of a continuous improvement. Indeed. Yes. Except, you see, Toyota did this back in the, what, 60s, 70s or whatever for, for manufacturing. We're doing it for professional services, office workers, yeah. where it's never really been applied before. And so it's, that's what's exciting and interesting about this new world order of service-based economy versus what was previously a manufacturing economy so i think for the well for the us in particular it's much of the gdp is driven by services yeah and yet we don't have a process improvement approach for services in particular to that so well, the idea was that services are much harder to improve so the you know some of the things that i read that for example in the food uh, industry the the productivity improvement is much slower than in manufacturing, mm -hmm. for example, which which may not be mm -hmm. true because now you've got portals where you can order your food and there are improvement steps. But if you walk into a McDonald's, the way they make the hamburger is probably unchanged for the last 40 years. Yeah, something's reliable. So it's, but the, at that scale, you know, when you've fully established everything, I suppose you're just scaling to the size of Starbucks and McDonald's. But when they were small, they had no such systems, just some guy who hoped that someone did it right. You know, I think they had to build these systems. And if you ever make a franchise, you don't have an option but to build systems. That's right. Others are going to run it for you. So yeah, sorry, we veered off the main subject there slightly, but uh, I hope that was a, a different view as to how you get improvements. I think that was the core of the idea. So you don't so, come from you. Yeah. So Amit, let's go back to the service industries and office work. So what is the difference between processes and workflows? I tend to use the word workflows because they more particular, they're, they, I think they have more variance. Chat inside a task is a workflow oriented principle, I feel. A process just has connotations of a manufacturing line. Do it this way. This is the way we do it, right? A workflow tends to be somewhat regimented, but with a lot of wiggle room for conversation as a first-class object, especially when you're stuck somewhere. And I think the rest of the world, I think there's too much of a, this horrible feeling when someone says process, because you immediately picture flowcharts in your mind and mm -hmm. a 10 week, a long 10 week process where nothing's ever going to happen. Remember I did this for 10 years. I, I mapped processes and it fills me with dread. So, so basically repositioning <laughs> the concept. Uh, so that you can give it new meaning, you can give it mm -hmm. new, uh, new substance. What about and automation? So how do you go from having workflows to actually automate workflows? What, what yes. are the workflows that can be automated? And is there a clear path from going workflows to automation? And is it possible to aspire for a systematic way of transi transitioning more and more workflows from manual to automated so that you can liberate the people and you can give them a more creative and more uh, socially engaged type of activities rather than mechanical repeatable activities. Mm. 
for a company, especially for the management of a company, I think it's a journey, it's a life cycle. It's a maturity model, basically. Mm -hmm. It's like you start at just tribal knowledge where just Joe from accounts knows how to do this to, you know what? Oh, Joe from accounts is on vacation. Should we like type up what Joe does just in case he, he leaves us or he goes on vacation? Like someone can take over what Joe does. So this is tribal to written mm -hmm. stage one, right? The first moment you realize that we should write this down somewhere, right? Because we, we obviously can't scale if Joe decides to go on vacation somewhere or, or leaves the company. So second is the, now the, the, the running aspect, which is okay. Six people are supposed to do six different steps here. And have you, you know, have you probably seen baton races in the Olympics when someone runs around and hands the baton to the next person who then runs around, right? Well, that exact same thing happens in a multi-step workflow where I do my thing and then I hand it over to you because you can do your thing, right? So that baton passing is an email that we generate in our app. It's called, it's your turn. Mm -hmm. It's literally called in English, it's your turn. Mm -hmm. And that just tells you that without asking me, you already know that you're up next. So the running part is now removing all this stupid busy work where I have to ask you, have you done it yet? Have you finished yet, Steve? Right? Well, I don't have to ask you now. It's going to come to me. It's going to be push, not pull. Right? Mm -hmm. So that's the running part. And now finally you get the automation part, which is like, okay, well, you know what? got these seven steps, they're done between seven different people, right? It turns out that step four to step five can be automated because it's actually just a, a someone going to a system, typing this in and then coming out of that system, right? So you see an opportunity to take bits of that multi-step workflow and say, you know what, we don't need this bit or this bit or this bit. So out of those seven steps, three can be done by machines. Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe four have to still be done by people that simple. Right. And so in a very practical perspective of, it's a, it's a of very step-by-step, step, it's not like a grand design where you transition all your processes, you're pushing all your processes towards automation and, and you basically have a, a great plan on how you're going to do that. It's more about if there is a repeatable process, which doesn't necessarily need the human input other than some physical moving of the thing, then you can automate mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And also anyone who tells you otherwise, they need to say it in English, just like we've described it. Like I've written something down because so-and-so isn't, if they're not around, what do I do? Right. I think that's an obvious statement. You don't have to be an MBA or some kind of business guru mm -hmm. to, to know that you got to put this down somewhere and then you got to run it which is like okay well how do we know to improve it or even who's doing what basically which is where the tracking comes in if you're a coo and you have an airline cockpit mm -hmm. where you never have to ask anyone have you done this yet or where are we at with this think um you know with fedex when they send you parcels from amazon you get a real-time tracker of where that parcel is at they do that for millions of parcels each day so no one ever calls in to ask, uh, uh, has, you know, where's my shipment? Well, click the link. You can see where it is. It's, it's two kilometers away from your house right now. Literally, that's the real time tracking, right? Yeah. And then from there, you could move on to automation, which is now, well, we don't need a human to move the parcel from here to here. Let's make a conveyor belt that just shifts it, shifts it, shifts it without any human interference, right? 
so there's your opportunity to take bits of that and say this can be automated so can this while all the time still keeping control and most of all scalability is the result of all of this mm-hmm. if you make this happen you can now ship from you can go from 100 parcels a day to 700,000 parcels a day without breaking a sweat or losing sleep at night because you're not hiring people and praying they do it right you're hiring people and introducing them to your system which already works right that's 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 the biggest problem people don't see yet right they think hiring people is doing a process faster but if there was no consistency in the first place then the new people are just going to just do random things and they have to ask questions and you have to train them and they don't know where to go for the information so basically what i'm hearing is the steps is you got the tribal knowledge whatever state it is in just document it just write it down start to run it and then you can observe okay can we improve that process we eliminate some steps maybe something is missing maybe there are some variation so work on making it more smooth and then okay which part of that doesn't need a human a thinking human to actually give any input so we can actually give it to computer so then you automate these parts and that makes your mm-hmm. business more scalable so is that it yeah it just starts removing fat from little bits of fat again this is incremental remember there's usually no let's automate everything like that's just mm-hmm. ridiculous so so starting just simple common sense stepwise in this way just gets you amazing results incredibly fast you can get 80 percent to just in just your dream operation state just by practical means like this put it down start running it keep improving it so so Emmy, are there like some rules of thumb that if you go into a service company a, a, let's say a business to business service company then just by telefying i don't know if it's a word but we used it with RKG Group, where both of us work with. Uh, just telefying certain processes is going to improve productivity by a certain percentage on average, let's say 20, 30% a year, and then the automation. So is there like a, a linear connection that if you do it for a certain number of processes that essentially it becomes statistically relevant that you can, you can improve by a substantial percentage? in the productivity is this something that you measure or you observe yeah um we try to keep it down to earth but we have literally measured a one day saving a week in a lot of clients we have a return on investment calculator mm-hmm. where we fed in these things and it's one day a week so, so it's 20 percent. one it, yeah it's literally an entire day of an entire week which yes it's, so it's ridiculously high yeah it's, it's crazy high some inside but the thing is that we should start on the ground so if you don't do it right as well, you can fail at this. So for example, we tell people, when you start typing up a task, as in what you do, start with a verb, like phone the client, mm-hmm. right? Or send, send proposal to prospect. But don't type in something like manage prospect, you know, but, but what does that mean? There, there's, no, uh, there's no task to this, right? Yeah. So the way, you, the way you even write steps, you think about a recipe in the kitchen you write a recipe for some food right it's it's so clear it says mix this in a bowl mm-hmm. so clear right it doesn't say you know something random like make sure it's mixed or something 
or like or, it's or even worse yeah, that it's mix, mixing or or uh, I don't know food uh, food preparation something like that. Yeah, it has to be a an, yeah, an active yeah. word that verb that is moving something somewhere. It's clear. It's verb based and it's in the present tense. Like do this now, right? And then the second thing is write the description of how to do it as if it's the first time you are ever describing to someone how to do this. Mm -hmm. That's a big other problem we've seen, which is that the most experienced person who's been there 30 years can't be bothered to type up properly how they do things. Because for them, it's second nature, but for an outside yeah. observer, it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's totally unique. Yeah, these are practical. So, so don't forget these. Don't, you know, yes, you'll get the ROI, but at the beginning, just have someone who gets how... Do it the right way. Follow the process for creating the process. There is a skill set for yeah. documenting too, right? It's I not just like anyone can type this. Just like anyone can't be an author. There is a process write... to that too. There is a process to that. <laughs> yeah. So, it, it so Emmett, we are running out of time here, but... Uh, so if, if someone would like to learn more about this, maybe like to check it out, what kind of uh, help you could give, Telefy could give, where they go, how can they uh, get in touch with you? Yeah, well, our product is a free trial, 14-day free trial, no credit card, no nothing. So if, if there's one thing you do today, just spend 20 seconds signing up and playing with it and just making your blueprints. We call them blueprints. These are these recipes mm -hmm. and templates. Go to talify.com. That's how you can find me, us, and check it out. But really just get, you know, schedule a demo or just chat with us uh, and we will, it's about specificity to your actual state, your actual problem. And Telefy uh, is spelled with a Y, right? It's actually two Ys. Yes, okay. yes. It's T-A-L-L-Y-F-Y.com. Okay. So Telefy with mm -hmm. two Ys. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what are the ideal businesses that can use this? So do you have like... Does a business have to be a certain size for it to make sense for them? Or is it completely no, um, uh, for we have a fortune, we have, well? we have It's for any size company, really. But it's for tiny companies, it won't make much sense below five people because at that point, they don't really have any processes. They're still figuring it out, right? But, but we also have Fortune 500 customers. But it's really just any team in any size company that has one specific use case where they just want to say something like goodbye, busy work. I'm just sick of this, right? It's, it starts from the pain. There is a relevance to certain teams, but with like say use cases like onboarding clients, you want to make that smooth? Great. Um, onboarding employees, you just hired an employee. There's a 50 step process to get them productive or something. Great example, right? So there's specific things, but really what we do think, the way we see things is pain first. I have a pain, here's the pill, right? Mm -hmm. Got it. And it could be anyone. It could be big company, small, whatever role. So we're seeing quite broad applications. Awesome. So if you are interested, how to create workflows, how to simplify your life, improve your productivity by 20% or so, then go on Telefy with two vice.com and sign up for a free uh, two-week free trial and check it out, test it out. If they want to lead, uh, reach out to you, Emmett, then you're on LinkedIn, right? We connected on LinkedIn, so they can I'm on LinkedIn as well. So reach out mm -hmm. to Emmett and uh, definitely do try it. Also, if you'd like to read live case study about it, uh, you can check out our new book, uh, Pinnacle, and uh, you can read about our joint client, uh, the Reichel client group, who are using Telefy and how they use it and what uh, how did that help them. 
yeah, and do processize you, uh, do create systems, do automate because it's going to liberate your people and you can get more done and you'll have a more engaged workforce to spend more time in the flow rather than with the boring work. So thank you for coming on the show, Amit. I really enjoyed uh, the conversation. And if mm -hmm. you liked uh, the listener, if you like the show, please don't forget to uh, tune in next uh, Tuesday for our next uh, episode. Thank you.